Well, good evening, good evening. Thank you, sir. I asked Adam if he was going to show us some of those moves when he came up here to help me. Because Lord knows I don't have any. That is for sure. That is for sure. I still haven't decided if I'm going to preach my sermon tonight. At some point, I should just make that decision. You'll know when I know. That verse, right, Vanessa read? Come on. So powerful. Isaiah 43. Verse 19, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? You know, the only time that God has ever has to ask us, do you not see it, is because he knows we can't see it. And he's trying to call our attention to it. And the list, as is, is she said, you, you should go there and check it out this, this weekend, because you don't have to get up and go to church tomorrow. you got time. Isaiah 43, he, he just lists just a few. It starts in verse 14. It talks just, it just lists just a few, but, but the list he gives is intended to remind us that the few things that he picked are representative of all the things that he's done. So, so when he says, forget all that, he's not just referring to the things that are listed, he's referring to the things that are represented by the things that are listed, which is every miracle that God has worked in Israel up until that point. And by the time Isaiah was prophesying and ministering, that's a whole lot to forget. It's forgetting most of the things that you and I would say are some of the greatest moments of God's divine intervention in all of Scripture. And he says, Psh, that's nothing. I'm going to do something new. Do you not see it? We're, we're in a season now as a church where, where God is doing something new here at City Life. We just celebrated, as you know, at the end of January, our 13-year anniversary. Vanessa and I have been here for most of that. Some of you here tonight have been here for all of that. We talked about that at our business meeting this past Sunday, and God has done incredible things in the history of this church, but I think that that word that Vanessa shared wasn't just for you, some of you individually, because I know some of you latched onto that word as well you should. I, I think it's also a word for our church, that God is saying, if you think all the things that he's done to intervene for us over our 13 years to get us from just a small group of people coming as a church plant down the peninsula for Williamsburg to where we are today, I think God is saying, just forget all that, because there's more, and God's more is always better. We had a meeting just a few weeks ago with North Riverside Baptist Church. Our plan was to update you on this tonight, but I, I think there is a moment of spiritual significance that's beyond the conveyance of information after the service that we've had so far. I keep saying we're having Easter early, right, after that worship set. Come on. We, had, uh, we met with some of the leaders of North Riverside Baptist Church, which is the church that owns this property, the church that has been the faithful steward of this property since the 1950s. We, we, we met with them several weeks ago, and, uh, and, and we began the, the process of the conversation for the, the gifting of this building, which you know was not a surprise to you. It might be a surprise to you if you're visiting with us, but we started talking about that last fall, but that conversation was really put on hold in, until just recently. 
where they approached us and they felt like they were uh, at the place where it, it needed to happen, but we still didn't know the timing. And so just recently, uh, we've learned they had their uh, town hall meeting uh, last Wednesday night to really just gauge the sentiment of their congregation. As you know, which we've shared before, the, the, the gifting of this building at this point, it's not about whether or not it should happen just because of the situation that they're facing, but it's about them being able to come to grips with the emotion of what it represents, right? To be the generation that passes the baton. And so they had a town hall meeting this past Wednesday. Uh, we spoke with some of their leaders early Thursday morning. Uh, the meeting went well, and so they have decided that on March 20th, right, in just right a month, they're going to hold a vote uh, as a church for this building to be gifted to us in its entirety uh, May 1st of this year. May 1st, right? Five acres of land right here in the Riverside community, 30,000 square feet, debt-free. Now, is there an expense for this building? There will be, which is why we're starting a stewardship series coming very soon, right? <laughs> it's debt-free, but it doesn't come without a cost. You with me? It's debt-free, but it does not come without a cost. But we're ready for that cost. We're ready for that cost. We were talking about in our business meeting this past Sunday that, that it's, it's the biggest giving year in the history of the church. That's not a coincidence, right? Because when, when God has a vision, there's always provision, right? There's always provision for the vision that he has for us. And so he knew, right? We didn't know that it was going to be May of this year, but he knew. And so he was getting us ready, more than we could have ever done on our own. We've always been conservative. We've always been faithful. We've always saved. We always knew that there was an Ephesians 3.20 moment coming for us as a church, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. We've always said from the moment that Vanessa and I came here in 2007 that God was going to lead us as a church to invest in flesh and bone before we asked people to invest in brick and mortar. And so we have been a little bit, I forget who said it recently, a little nomadic as a church, moving from one location to another, renting space. And along that way, we found this passion and this desire for shared church facilities. It wasn't on our grid. We, we did it because we had a need to do it when we moved into the mosaic off of Harpersville Road back in 2008. We did it because that's all we could afford, but little did we know that God was going to give us a vision for how churches could come together and work in unity. And so now for us, it was part of the change in our constitution and bylaws that we voted in to affect this past Sunday that we're going to be a multi-campus church that meets in shared space facilities. We're not moving to Sunday morning. We're staying on Saturday night. Now, we know there's lots of reasons for that. One of them is for the margins that it creates for you and the rest that we know that people need to find because the church has a terrible reputation of fracturing the family that it's supposed to build, and we don't want to be that church. But we also know that in order for churches to work together at the depth that we want to see them work together, somebody has to say, we don't need to meet at Sunday morning at 10 o'clock to be successful. And so we meet on Saturday, which creates an opportunity. There's already a church that's committed to come. Uh, North Riverside Baptist Church, their plan is to meet in the, in the cafe uh, because their congregation has shrunk so small, uh, which is going to make a way for another church, a growing church like we were years ago, right? It's a God story for them. God's story for them that they're going to come and be the Sunday morning church that are, if the plan plays out, they'll be here in August. And so we want to fill this building up. We're going to fill it up. And we know 
and, 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 and the answer I've been given for years, even before we knew this building was going to come to us, but when we had the dream to lead and pastor a multi-church facility, whenever people ask, well, how many people can fit in there, my answer is always the same, until we're in each other's way. Right? We're, we, want it, we want this building to be so full of churches and ministries that, that we're in each other's way, and then we'll know that's enough. Then we'll know that's enough. Churches of different denominations. Churches of different worship expressions, we agree on enough to walk together. We agree on enough to walk together. And so we're going to walk together here at this campus at 311 Selden Road. So uh, in May, so you can be praying March 20th. I'm giving you that date because we're asking you to pray. Because at the end of the day, they still have a vote to cast. There's still a ballot uh, that's, that's going to be conducted. They're a congregational church. And so it, it will be that vote that determines the outcome. Now, we know God's sovereignty is going to ultimately determine the outcome, but we want them to be in step with what his plan is going to be. And so we're asking that you pray for that. We pray for their courage, uh, pray for God's will to be clear for them, and then pray for us as a leadership team and as a church. And then again, what we're going to be talking about in the weeks and the months to come, that this is a, a, a sacred trust that's being given to us because it's our responsibility to steward this property into its future. Just before we met with the all-church leadership team just recently, uh, which was we have scheduled every year as preparation for the business meeting, uh, the, the, was also the night that we were going to update them on what we're updating you because we always want our leaders to know, right, so they can be leading with us at the point that we're coming to you as a, as a congregation as a whole. And, 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 it was, and that morning I was in here praying. And one of the longtime members of this church, who's become a dear friend of mine since we've been here for the last several years, uh, wandered into the sanctuary and, uh, and said, Fred, hey, do you have a minute? And he's in his, in his 80s, and, uh, and we sat down and uh, began to chat, and, and he had this thick document in his hand. It looked a little bit like our annual report. I thought maybe he had stolen a draft somewhere. I was like, how did you get that, Tom? No. And uh, it, he said, uh, uh, my wife and I were going through some boxes the other day. And I found this, found this document, and I want to give it to you. It's the history of this property, and it's the history of this church. And he didn't know we were meeting with our leaders that night, right? He didn't know that we were going to be updating the church. I mean, he, he knows of these conversations that are happening, but he didn't know we were meeting that night with our leaders. And uh, he said, Fred, if this property comes to you, and I, and I hope it does, you need to know what's in these pages. Because, listen to what he said. He said, because city life are the pages of this document that have yet to be written. And, and, and what has happened is going to direct what's going to happen. I was like, you're Baptist and you're prophesying right here. I mean, I was just waiting for him to start speaking in tongues right there. That part didn't happen, but come on, there's still time. It's like, right, he's, he's prophesying over this property and over me. Over me. What's to come? He began to tell the story of, of, of how when, when uh, that church was first planted and, uh, and they started meeting in someone's home, that uh, uh, they found out that this property right here, which was just undeveloped, it was two, two lots, uh, belonged to a gentleman uh, here in Newport News. And, uh, and they reached out to him and said, would you sell us that property uh, so that we could build a church there? And he said, no. I'm not going to sell you that property. And so they went to the school and said, to the school right there, the elementary school that was there then, said, uh, uh, we, we're, we're trying to plant a church. Will you let us meet in the school? The school said no. 
Uh, you, you cannot meet in here, right? And so here's this group of people that believing that God had spoken to them and called them. They had all left their churches with a dream and a vision, and there was a, a getting a no at every, every turn, and then just out of nowhere, this gentleman that they had reached out to that owned this property called them and said, I'm not going to sell it to you, but I'll give it to you. Donated this property to them. This lot he ended up building a house on the lot that is now the fellowship hall and the extended parking lot and then moved into that house and lived there. Uh, and then when he passed years ago, uh, he donated all of that to the church. Free. Just gave it to him. And soon after that, the school called him and said, we've, we've, had a, we've changed our mind. We want you to come and, and meet. Right? God began to open doors for us. So Tom's telling me this story. We're sitting right there. We're sitting right there where Vanessa's sitting, and he's just he's recounting the story of, of, of this church. And, and then he said, he said, Fred, one of the reasons why I know we have to vote to gift this building and this property to you is because it was given to us. It was given to us, and now it's our turn to give it to you. And then he said, he said, he said, Fred, now have we built here? Have we invested here? But you can look around and see that they have sacrificed, right? Sacrificed. Imagine building a building this big. 1960 is when this sanctuary was built. This place was a monstrosity in 1960. Family sacrifice. You know they did. You know families chose to to not go on this vacation and to carve out this money. I'm sure people took part-time jobs. What they do when they're captured by vision and they built this building and paid it off and it's it's debt-free. And and so he said, that's what he said, you know, this building's it's gonna be free, but it comes with a cost. And then we begin to talk about that, that now we have a responsibility as a church not just to maintain what is, but now it's our turn to invest here in this property and to build it for the future, right? Because at some point, right, all of us that are old, and I'm including myself in that conversation in my 50s, right, at some point, we're going to be passing this on to the next generation of City Life Church young people, the Ryans of our future, the kids that are down in a workshop doing crafts. One of them might be the future lead pastor of this church, the missionary that's getting a poopy diaper changed in the nursery right now, right? At some point, we're going to pass this on to them, and we have a responsibility to gift it to them in a way that's going to propel them for their future, which means we're going to have to sacrifice. We're not going to have to sacrifice like some churches do, which is the beauty of the story. Can you imagine what it would cost to build this today? Millions upon millions upon millions of dollars it would take for this property, for this building, at this location. We're not going to have to do that. But it doesn't mean we're not going to have to sacrifice something. So I'm just preparing your heart now. This is an incredible... When Steve was preaching last week, come on, that Lazarus life, was that not so powerful? And there was that slide that popped up, right, of the circles of faith. I was taking down so many notes on that because, because you didn't know where we were, but I knew where we were. And what I know is we're in that circle. And maybe talking about that circle. One of those circles was called opportunity. And I think the one that came after that was action, right? We're in opportunity of the circle of faith, and, and come May, it's going to be time for action. It's going to come time for action. And we've been walking together faithfully as a church. For some of you, you're new here. For some of you, you've been here for a long time. But it, this is the church that God has called together for this time 
and for this season, for this gift of biblical of biblical proportion. I don't think it's a coincidence that all of this is coinciding with the launch of Faith Promise for us. Faith Promise, as you know, we gave an update a couple of weeks ago, was, was, was knocking on the door of $30,000. Now it's knocking on the door of $40,000 in the monthly commitments, right? As you know, I'm not going to re-explain it, but the Faith Promise is separate from the monthly commitments. The monthly commitments are approaching $3,000 a month. It's the most monthly commitments that we've ever seen in the history of the church. We're getting ready to triple the number of ministries and missionaries that we support in the coming months because of what God's been speaking to you about, what to give. Come on, emissions. So we're going to be sharing with you in the coming weeks about those groups. We're not going to start it right away because we want to build up that reserve, right? Because we have a responsibility to those missionaries. We're going to be talking to you in the coming weeks when we're ready to start cutting those checks for who those groups are going to be. A lot of them are going to be groups that are operating right here in the 757 and in the central Virginia. Some of them minister here locally and then some are uh, headquarters here but are doing work all around the world. The elders have just picked up that conversation. I'm so excited. And, uh, and then our first faith promise story has already come in. How great is that? Right? right? Faith promise, this idea that you pray, God gives you a number. Right? This, it's, this is different from your monthly commitment. This is about your budget. This is about your faith. This is about discipline. And this is about believing. This story came in says, having been members of City Life for many years, and just so you know, they've been with us since the movie theater back in the day. Having been members of City Life for many years, my husband and I talk about participating in Faith Promise every year. Every year, right? This is a lot of years. Relying on our own understanding of how and where that money would come from has prevented us from not moving forward with filling out a card and turning it in. Don't you love honesty and authenticity? Come on. This year was no different. I'm not going to read you the names. I'm just telling you the story. This year was no different until last week. In January, I prayed about a faith promise, and God gave me a number instantly. It wasn't a normal, well-rounded number that I myself would have probably chosen. It was a random, strange number, and honestly, more than I probably would have chosen as well. My husband had been praying about faith promise, and we had prayed together about it, and he was still not given a clear picture of the amount to give. He had a brief conversation with a couple of men in the church that he trusted and got some advice on how to move forward. And that night, we committed to move forward with the number that I was given. Prayed about it, planned to fill out our card two days later at church. That was on Thursday. So Saturday morning, right, this is last weekend, Saturday morning, I met with the person that prepares our taxes. We typically pay some federal tax and always get about the same amount back in our state refund every year. I thought this year would be no different. Why, why should it be? We haven't done anything differently this year. Here it comes, except pledge of faith promise. So good. To my surprise, not only did we get back a bit back from our federal return, our state refund was double what it was typically been over the last several years. On top of that, our consultant didn't charge us the fees they normally do. It was lower. With the amount, listen to this, with the amount we were given back this year and her lower fee, the tax prep person, our faith promise was fulfilled and we still got almost to the penny the same amount we always, always get as a refund. So good, right? How awesome is it that God so clearly showed up within two days to cover our faith promise and then some. I know this has been a life-changing experience for us and I hope this will encourage others to take the next step of, in faith of trusting that God that if God says yes, he will provide. Come on. Amen. 
I, I share that with you because I trust that some of you have probably not turned in a faith promise card yet. Turn it in. Don't let doubt. You don't put your name on it. We don't want to see it. We don't, it's not a play. We don't, we, don't, we don't call you. There's no follow-up. It's just between you and God. But I'm telling you, there's something about taking the step of faith, turning it in that positions you, it positions you for the favor of God. This is going to be part of what we're talking about in the stewardship. Some of you don't experience the favor of God, not because God doesn't want to bless you, because you're not positioning yourself and posturing in the right way. It's powerful that they had been a part of the church for that many years and never participated in faith promise. And it's so powerful that as they did for the first time, God showed up in such a significant way, right? And now, I'm telling you, they can't wait for faith promise next year to do it all over again. Oh, Isaiah 43, 19. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? Of course we don't see it, which is why we need God to help, which is why we need God to intersect, which is why we need God sometimes to grab us by the scruff of our collar and kick us in the seat of our pants, not because he's angry at us, but because he loves us, because he doesn't want us to miss out. He wants us to walk in all the newness that he has prepared for us. Since the beginning of time, he's doing something new here at the City Life Church, and I'm so proud to be a part of it. Not out in front of it, but to be a part of it. This is part of the culture of our church, that our leaders here, we're in it with you. We're in it. We're not out in front of it. We're in it, walking together with the body of Christ. And I can't wait for the day that we, many years from now, get to tell these stories to our children and to our grandchildren, where we get to be the person that sits on the pew and pulls the young leaders aside and begins to recount for them the story, the story of how God has provided. Maybe this couple that had this story is going to pull somebody aside years from now and say, let me, let me tell you about something that God did for us back in 2019. We're going to keep telling these stories of faith. We're going to keep telling these stories of faith because at some point we also want to say to the next generation that Isaiah 43, 19 is for them too. And all this stuff that we're talking to you about, just forget it. Because what he's going to do for you, it's going to be even more and it's going to be even bigger and it's going to be even better. The stories of our faith are to instill in them the belief that God's going to do something for them. And God's going to always do, he's always going to do something new. All right, so next week we're finally going to talk about, God willing, right, the second part of Pentecost, spiritual language. I joked about it two weeks ago. That message got postponed weeks after weeks after weeks. So God's, God's waiting for someone to come. He's waiting for someone to come, and we're going to be ready for him. We're going to be ready for him. Stand with me. Jesus, Jesus. Mm. Father, we are humbled tonight to stand in this room. Humbled, humbled. 
that in 1960, 1960, that cornerstone reads, families gathered on these five acres at 311 Selden Road, shovels in hand, breaking ground, believing, declaring, praying, like we're standing and believing and declaring and praying tonight. What this church has done in this region and around the world since 1960 is not going to be forgotten. It's not going to be forgotten because now their story is our story. Their family is our family. The name of our church might be a little different. The way we worship might sound a little louder. How we teach scripture on certain texts might take a little bit of a circuitous route than they would take. But at the end of the day, there's one doctrine that rises above all rest and that is Christ and Christ crucified. And that doctrine we share. And that doctrine we carry forward for them. That their story is going to be our story. That we are going to proclaim the gospel. That we are going to grow disciples. And we are going to serve our city. Just like they've been doing it faithfully for all of these decades. This story is not about the ending of their church. And it's not the story of the beginning of ours. It is the story of the proclamation of Jesus Christ in the 757 and that you've been doing that here, oh God, from the beginning of time. And we're just stepping into our season of stewardship as the baton passes from one congregation to the next. And and our future, if we ever find ourselves in that situation, God, that we would pass it just as willingly then because it's not about the name on the sign at the street or the t-shirt that we wear or the card that we carry. It's only about one name and it is the name to which every knee will bow one day and every tongue will confess that you are Lord and we count it a privilege to serve you, our King, in this life as long as we have breath. So find us faithful to sacrifice, to serve, to share, to proclaim and declare that Jesus, you are the only way. And it's in your name we pray. Come on, and everybody said, everybody said, amen. You got one song in you, one song.